Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Witching Hour. I am Patty Negri, your hostess through this trip through the other world. We have a great guest for you this week. We have a kitchen witch herself, Laurel Woodward. I can't wait. You know, this is one of my favorite subjects for a girl who can't really cook. But before we get to Laurel, I just want to tell you a little bit what's going on right now. If you are watching or listening to this in the week that we first drop, which is... Monday, December 27th, almost the end of the year. Yes, we got through Christmas. Yes, we got through solstice. Yes, we got through Hanukkah. Yes, we got through Kwanzaa. Yes, we got through, well, hopefully we'll get through COVID. No, um, it is time. We are days away from the new year. I'm very excited about that. I've got all sorts of fun things planned. So if we go into Where's Patty, Where's Patty this week? She's home. Patty is home. Patty's not going anywhere. Patty actually even taking some days off so I can like, you know, find the floor of my living room, which you're at. And if my room, for those of you watching live, if it looks a little different up here, instead of sitting in my office um, where I usually am, I'm sitting upstairs in my living room, dining room area because my husband is sawing downstairs because that's what you do on uh, the days that I'm recording on December 27th, right after Christmas. Uh, but I do have some fun classes this week. I have um, a holiday seance on Tuesday. Now, if you've seen me do seances on Ghost Adventures or a bunch of other shows, it won't be like this. These are sweet seances where you get to communicate with your deceased loved ones. You want to talk to grandma, Uncle Bob, your mom, your dad. No demons, no possessions, just sweet, beautiful holiday seance, and we keep it limited and intimate, but I think we have a couple spaces left, so just go to universitymagicus.com. Also, I'm starting a three-week tarot class. I actually just started it last night, but you can still jump in and watch the tape, and I have two more. It's a certification course for tarot, and I'm combining um, a literal by the book tarot and then intuitive tarot. So whether you've never picked up a set of tarot cards in your life or whether you're an old pro, it should give you some new tips and tricks. And speaking of that, that's what we're going to do in our magic section today. Um, other than that, I think it's pretty much. I, do check the school, though. Because it is a new year, I'm going to go into some self-care classes, weight loss classes, and all those things you do in January of a new year. Guess what time it is? It is the Willow Report. And of course, she kisses me after trying to bright bell off screen. As you guys know, or some of you know who've listened to this, we have a little issue with Willow and Belle. And I'm taking advantage a little bit today of being out of where Belle's been sitting in my office lately and bringing her upstairs, and where Willow's been sitting at my feet and bringing her upstairs. And I want to see if we can make these two get along. She's actually doing better than she was 20 seconds ago. But as usual, she's just waking up. So I want all my little baby witches out there, my experienced witches out there, my intuitives out there, I need your opinion. I'm too close to the situation. You know how you can't read yourself. You know how you can't read your own children. How it took me months upon the months. She's nine months old now to realize that the issue was Belle and Willow. I want you guys to figure out what's going on with Willow. Why she won't kiss the bell. Why she doesn't like the bell. Why she gets so antsy around the bell. And the bell. How come she doesn't like this beautiful little puppy dog, Willow? So anyway... Yawn. We uh, <laughs> we got to work on her television technique. That's for sure. This camera thing. But anyway, 
This is Belle. She's 100 years old. This is Willow. She's nine months old. Her first Christmas, her 107th Christmas. What's going on? I really need your opinion. You guys can comment. You guys can email me. You guys can write me. I am stumped. I just I figure it's kind of some kind of a sibling rivalry or something, but it's more than that, and it's more than sleepy baby. So, okay, the Willow report today is you guys giving me the report. How do we what do we do with Phil? What do we do with Willow? What's going on? How can we make them best friends? <gasps> Is she going to kiss her? Is she going to kiss her? This could be a first right here, right here, or pull her ponytail, or I don't know. Help me, guys. Willow, how do we get them to be close? How do we get them to be besties just like this? Hide behind me. See? <laughs> I need your help. It's the Willow Report. And without further ado, let's go into some magic, shall we? Speaking of tarot, this week's magic, I thought I would show you my favorite tarot spread. Now, if you're not watching, if you're just on audio, that's okay. Just picture it in your mind and you can do it easily, easily. Ah, my producer is holding up a tarot card. Um, this is a spread. We're not reading the tarot. So picture yourself um, a pyramid. We're going to do a pyramid. So I want you to put Five cards, I, for those of you who can see, I, I was creative with little stickers. Five cards across the bottom, and then four just above it. We're building a Christmas tree or a pyramid. Then three just above it, then two, and then one at the top. Um, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. It's a 15 card spread. Good number, magical number. This is really great for a question or a situation. Um, you probably won't see this anywhere else. I made it up myself unless I just pulled it out of the ethers, but it is absolutely my favorite tarot spread. So while you put the cards out, however you do your setup with your client or whoever you're reading, start from the left to the right and from the bottom up. First, put the five cards on the bottom. The five cards on the bottom are the base or the focus of the situation. Now you might notice if you have some major arcana cards down there or what kind of cards if you're leading towards swords or majors or you're leading towards you know, cups or different things. This is the base. The one right in the middle is the main cornerstone, the center pillar of things. So that's kind of the most important base of the situation. The two outer ones, that would be the cornerstones. So out of the five cards across the bottom row, the center one and the two outside ones are like holding the, the whole thing up. Think of holding up the whole situation. And the two in the middle are part of that base, the foundation of your question. Now we're going up. If you look at the outside of your pyramid, it one, two, three, four, there's five going up. The five going up and the fifth one is the time. The five going up, that's what it looks like on the outside of the situation. So again, if you're starting to notice that, the, oh, there's a lot of people here, people aware, self-conscious, image conscious, or overthinking things going on. So again, from that base, we're going up on the, just on the outside, one, two, three, one, two, three, and then the center card. So basically it's the one, two, three, right in the middle of the pyramid. For those of you who could see it, or you could draw it with your finger, 
in the sky because I draw everything with my finger in the sky quite often. All right, so again, that's pretty basic. The foundation, the outside appearances or the outside working or the outside influences. The two in the middle, in the little middle, the, the only there's only three cards that don't touch an edge. The two in the middle at the bottom, those are the secret workings that you're maybe not aware of. It could be subconscious stuff. It could be influence from someone else or something else, the universe, somebody else doing something. So these secret inside ones are ones that you're probably not aware of in the situation. So again, now moving up, that center little one, we're in the three that's across, it's in the middle of the middle of the middle. It's the third line and it's the third card across. That's the heart of the situation. So again, that's looking at, are we looking at the base of material stuff, base of love, base of thought, base of focus, left brain, right brain, whatever it is. And then the top one, that's the outcome of the situation. So it sounds a little complicated, but I swear it is like the simplest spread ever. And it tells such a story, the base or foundation, working it out working up the sides, the, how it looks on the outside, the appearances, the hidden things in the center you may not be aware of and need to be aware of, the heart of the matter right in the middle, and then all the way up at the top, the outcome. And when you see these cards, when you see them spread out, you're gonna see little threads and little patterns like, ooh, on this left side, things are being influenced by an outside person, a dark whatever man. Over here, your shows you're thinking too much. You're seeing good sides of situations, maybe the, the sides you need to work on of situations. But all of a sudden, when you're seeing the outside, the foundation, the hidden inside, the heart and the outcome, you've kind of got an answer to your question or your situation. So I call it the pyramid. I call it Patty's pyramid. So give it a try and see what you think. Make whatever adjustments. Now, every once in a while, you might want to go, oh, wait, these three cards over here, they're telling me a story. I want to know more. Add a couple cards. Whoop, you can make a little arm on that pyramid if you want to. No rules. You know me, no rules. But this basic foundation will give you an amazing foundation for your cards. Whether you're reading them by the book, the maker of your book, or you're doing a right waiter or, or a basic tarot, or you're completely intuitive or whatever in the middle. You've got a really nice base, secret hidden, outside appearances, heart and outcome. That's your magic for today. Magic is everywhere and certainly in a deck of tarot cards. Thanks. Now, as we are days away from New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and whatever 2021 has been for you, 2022 is a new year. And I know it's been rough for mm, pretty much everybody, the planet, the pandemic, and everything going on. So as you take to a close on the 31st, whether you're going out and partying on the town, whether you're watching the ball drop on television, whether you're sleeping through the whole thing, consciously when you go to bed that night or when you're getting ready to call it a day, just say, look over the day, look over the year, be grateful for whatever you have to be grateful with. Even if all you have to be grateful with, I survived, you survived. So yay, thank you for that, be grateful for that. Look at what you want just for a second, what you want to change, what you want to carry with you into the next year, and what you want to let go. And if there's stuff you really want to let go of, go stand over your sink, write it down, and burn it up over a pot or over your sink. Let it go, let it go. Or write it down on a piece of paper, circle slash, circle slash, cross it out, cross it out, cross it out, crumple it up and throw it away. Let go of what you want. 
And then the next morning as you're waking up, try to just go, okay, whether you're doing my dream school technique or you're just waking up going, this is a new year. This is a blank slate. I'm going to carry with everything. I'm going to use the colors that I liked last year and I'm going to put into them or I'm going to use a whole new palette. So whether you use New Year's resolutions or not, like we talked about last week, some of those new techniques about doing something different every day, something that really scares you or challenges you a little bit every day, start that. But end the year with gratitude and with a little bit of observation and start the new year with a beautiful blank palette and you can fill it up any way you want. So happy new year. Welcome 2022. Now, without further ado, let me bring to you the beautiful, talented kitchen witch, Laurel Woodward. And I'm really, really excited about today's guest um, for a bunch of reasons, because she's kind of who I want to be in some aspects. Um, some of you guys know that that I don't cook. Well, probably everybody knows that I don't cook. And on the same end of things, probably a lot of you knew that I've done Master Chef, I've done Private Chefs of Beverly Hills, um, because I'm a really good witch. But this person is somebody who is an expert. Um, her name is Laurel Woodward. She's a witch for over 20 years. She's in the Pacific Northwest. She writes on gardening and cooking and magical food. Um, she writes for articles and magazines. And let me introduce her to you straight, Laurel Woodward. Hi, Laurel, how are you? Hi, Patty, so nice to talk to you today. It is so exciting. I can't believe how excited I am to have you on. This is her book for anybody who can't see it. This is her book, we'll show it again later. <laughs> um, I have been going through it and I am in love. One thing that I'm really in love with is that you do it by types of food. Um, so I, I, and of some other books I've seen, it's like, oh, let's do it, you know, do it by the attributes that they have. And here's this for that. And here's this for that. But you're going, here's a section on beans and on breads and things like that. So what was the inspiration for the book? I am fascinated with the history of food and the lore of food. Um, the stories are amazing. Um, when you, when you read about how a you know, everyone thinks the potato is Irish, but a potato is a new world food. It was an Inca food and it was brought back to Europe with the Spanish explorers. And uh, in the the people didn't even, they didn't trust it and they turned, they shunned it because it's a um, nightshade and like other nightshades, you know, the leaves and the, the, the seeds, the berries of a potato are poisonous, but the tubers are a good food. And it took the, um, ruling class a little bit of manipulation to get the people to embrace it as a food but they knew that in times of a uh you know scarcity of the or disease in the grain crop it would be a great alternate food and i just fell in love with the the history and lore of different you know when you become a witch you you um investigate all the the cottage herbery, the herbs and all the power, but every single ingredient in your kitchen has a magical aspect that you can use. Um, every, you know, every spice, every milk, eggs, they, they all have a, a quality to add. I love that. So what, what came, I know you do like organic natural gardening and cooking. Mm -hmm. And so which came first, the, the, the witch or the, or the cook, the cooking or the witch or how did this happen? Uh, cooking and gardening came first. And as I, as I became allies with some of my plants uh, in the, in the garden and learned about them, 
the my magical life took on a a life of its own. Um, and I I started to create a this this book actually came out of a compendium. I have a terrible terrible memory, so any little bit I write down, and in uh, uh, it it turned into like a six hundred page um, tome, and uh, just different bits of of stuff that I picked up. And anyway, that's that's where these uh, this book and the next book come from is from that uh, original gathering of lore. Well, well, since you men mentioned it, what? so we'll get right back to this one, but what's your next book? Oh, it's Backyard Garden Witchery, and it's it's gardening. And, uh, you know, um, again, kitchen witchery, there are some recipes in it, but it, it has a lot of uh, flowers and um, trees and vines and, you know, all, all the magical aspects of those as well. Oh, that's beautiful. And when's that, that going to come out? July. Okay. July 9th. So this one, you guys will have time to get for the holidays because you need it for yourself and anybody else you buy holiday gifts for. But enough of that. I know your first chapter is uh, why food is important. So why is food important? Our bodies are amazing machines, but we have to fuel them to get them to perform just, just like any sort of machine. And if you don't fuel it with good things, you, it's eventually going to cause all kinds of issues for you. Um, food is very important. It can be a medicine or it can be a poison. You know, um, if you if you learn your body and learn what what your body thrives on and you give it what it thrives on, then you are young and have a sparkle and energy just abounds. If you don't, you know, you're in bed, tired and not wanting to face the world and have no energy to create anything. Good gas, bad gas. Again, yeah. Not in the physics of gas, but it's, gas in exactly. your car. Not like, oh, excuse me. Great. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, so as we are getting through, if, if everybody's listening to this when we first launch, we are into holiday season. We are into December. And I know one of your chapters is, is basically by the seasons. You call it the tides. Um, explain to everybody a little bit, me and everybody, a little bit about that. What are the well, tides, the seasons? Well, sure. Uh, the as the years turns, it brings a different kind of energy. It starts with a wakening, and then a growing season, and then a harvest season, and then a, a sleep, a, a salt, you know, winter, the, the season of death and and um, sleep. And the tides of the year have that same. They it's it's just the flow of energy that comes through our lives. Uh, I'm very seasonal. So in the winter, I go to bed quite early and I sleep a lot longer than in the summer. Um, and in the summer, I have a lot of like vegetables, uh, salads and raw vegetables and light foods. In the winter, it's more hardier potatoes and roots and and starchy foods. Um, and that just helps with seasonal awareness. And um, my my practice is very nature centered. Um, and when you embrace the seasonal tides, it, uh, opens you to the different energies of the year and, um, helps you form a relationship with the natural world. Beautiful. 
Yes, I I I love that you were doing this because again, I I talk this all the time. We've gotten so far away from nature in our modern society and from weather, from moon, from everything. Right. And I mean, you're just taking it to the next level into what we eat. And we do think of summer foods versus winter foods. But right now we are into December, for those of you listening, in December. So we're going into Yule, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever anyone wants to call that. So what is the, the tide or the season now? What What are some of the recipes or things you suggest for people? Uh, well, it's celebration and it's honoring of the family and it's making memories and food is fabulous for that because um, just like the sense of cinnamon, if you if you're baking a apple cinnamon pie, the whole house permeates with that smell. And when your relatives come in and you have the joy of seeing them, that scent fixes those memories in place and helps you recall them when you when you smell it again. So. Uh, cinnamon is a big holiday spice. Um, all the pumpkin pie spices, the allspice, the um, ginger and um, cloves, nutmeg, those are all real holiday spices. But as far as holiday foods, um, you know, that's that's celebration breads, anything that you're making to make the day special. And that can depend a lot. A lot of kitchen witchery is on you're cooking for somebody, so you want to honor what they like. Um, you know, if, if your favorite food is chocolate, then I would make you something amazing, a chocolate, you know, cloud cake or something, um, you know, or, or if you're a vegetarian, you know, we could, we could do a lovely, um, quinoa, pomegranate, um, butternut squash dish or, or a pumpkin fettuccine, which is pretty <laughs> amazing. <laughs> um, food is just such a big part of our lives it's it's a driving force of behind our existence you know every day we eat every day we search for things to eat every day we crave different things to eat and so if you just put some effort into making good choices and feeding your body and your family um whole foods it's it's just a way of bringing your craft into your everyday life. I I love it. So do you put ritual into your cooking at all? Like, oh, yes, yes. Do you also witters and that kind of stuff? Or what's some of the sure. stuff that you do that um, make it extra magical cooking? Well, first you set an intention. And uh, usually if, if, if it's a festive time, it's uh, if it's a family gathering, sometimes it's everybody get along or, you know, everybody have a nice time. Let, you know, let this be a joyous occasion. Uh, you so you form an, an intention, and it can be anything. And um, as you're creating, you put that intention into, you know, through mixing, through measuring, through all the energy that you're putting into it. You put your intention into it, so you bake your intention into what your your pie or your cake or your loaf of bread. And then when you serve it with heartfelt joy and gratitude, it just it's a magical experience. It is. So I love how you said, like, everybody get along, because we know there's lots of extra stress at the holidays. I actually just recently talked about that. And um, there's lots of worrying about people and in-laws. Oh, the barking? That's Willow. She's my dachshund. And she's been so good, but there's somebody outside. So Give me on that. Is there an intention or any special in, special ingredients that you would specifically add 
for um, everybody getting along at the table? Oh yes, uh, you you could uh, you could do any of the you know love spices or fruits, incorporate them, and there's there's all different ones for harmony. Um, but say apple pie is a food of love that helps uh, um, inspire feelings of uh, affection. Um, so yes, there there. So you you could. Um, Look at the properties that you're working with and use those, you know, and in fact, that's a big part of Kitchen Witchery is, is figuring out the, the correspondences of the ingredients you're using. That is beautiful. And yes, who do, who doesn't have love with apple pie? Um, but speaking of pie, we know that you even mentioned first thing, pumpkins. Everybody goes pumpkin crazy as soon as fall hits from, you know, well-known coffee chains to whatever. You Have you had your pumpkin spice latte? Have you had this or that? So what are some of the, other than everybody obviously likes the taste of it, is there specific attributes to pumpkin itself? Oh, of course, yes. Um Pumpkins have a very nurturing energy, and they even have the ability to reveal the unseen. Um, they, they're, I have this, I have the worst memory in the world. That's why I wrote everything down. But yes, they do. And uh, pumpkins, you know, they're, they're new world food. Um, they're credited for keeping the settlers alive their first couple of years. They have a very long storage space, and I grow them every year. I, I love pumpkins. Oh, you can see some of my pumpkins in the background. I grew those. Yes, those are beautiful. <laughs> Thank ah. you. I had 21 this year and then some critter ate, I think, seven or eight of them. So I had to pick them all and bring them in. But Yeah, I, I get that. I live, I'm complete opposite. I live in the middle of Los Angeles, though I do live in the Hollywood Hills and I do have a big, big yard. But anything I've tried to grow, the, the critters get long before we do. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's okay. Uh, but I love that you grow your own food. What are some of the stuff that you that you grow that you do use in your magical food? Oh, uh, well, uh, it's seasonal, of course. Right now I have Swiss chard, uh, green onions, um, beets, and cabbage. That's what I have in my garden right now. Um, but I always have squash and zucchini. You know, uh, I love zucchini. Um, tomatoes, peppers, um, the, the, the basics, the basics. Oh, and I have a huge herb garden too. Uh -huh. um, so you can just go onto the deck and snip just about anything you want. Oh, good. So what are, and, and herbs are great because you could use them on different things, you know, herbs and seasonings. Or, so what are your favorite herbs in your witch's kitchen for different attributes and things? What are some of your must have in the kitchen or even in the garden? Well, I love bay leaf. I have a bay tree that has Got, it has traveled with me through three states now, and uh, it lives in my greenhouse. It's about five feet tall right now. And bay is just a fantastic energy. You know, you you use you toss some leaves in soup to give it a, such a that wonderful wonderful flavor. But you can burn them. You can write a wish on them and burn them. Um, you can grind them and, and use them in different uh, incenses for victory and visions. Um, bay is one of my one of my allies that tree is i i really have a good relationship with it but um rosemary and thyme and sage you know the the basic spices are great to have on hand um i grow a lot of cilantro in the summertime and basil in the summertime um because i love pesto and i love um fresh salsa um so it's those are 
great to have on hand. And cilantro has a, it, it, it's a very protective spice and it's a tonic. It's a cleanser. It can actually remove heavy metals from your body. Um, so those are some of my favorites. Okay. Oh, that's good. Okay. So say, I like that you said how you were talking about how important food is for us, obviously, what we eat is kind of who we are. So say, so do you work with people like saying, okay, I want to get healthier into my life. I want to bring this into my life. Does, is that, do you have a practice working with people like that? I No, I do not. Just my immediate family. Okay. Um, I, I, my, I have an autoimmune where I cannot eat uh, gluten and my son also has it. Um, so just because of that, I had to explore all the gluten-free options and try and figure out what was going on. The first doctor I saw when this first happened, he told me it was all in my head. And then finally, finally, I had a doctor figure out and labeled it arthritis and uh, psoriasis um, and said, keep a food diary and figure out something is triggering this, figure out what your triggers are and avoid them. And if you learn your body and you do find out that you have some sort of weakness like that and you do avoid your triggers, you will be free of disease. You'll be free of illness. You know, you won't get diabetes. You won't get, uh, you know, whatever it is, Crohn's, whatever, or, or you have it and it won't, um, it, uh, it, oh, what is it called when it, when it starts, when it, um, gets aggravated. Right. Your immune system all messed up. Right. Yeah. Okay. So if somebody came to you or they want to get your book, they're going, okay, it's the new year. Ha. I need to, I need to get healthier. I haven't been eating great. I probably need to lose a few pounds (laughs) (laughs) because the the time of year we do it. So (laughs) what would you suggest somebody, somebody, would you suggest certain foods or recipes or how would you do that? Oh yes. I would, I would suggest, uh, going organic. Stop eating poison. I would, you know, and of course you can't do everything, but the main things like your spinaches and your lettuces, anytime you're trying to eat a medicine, eat a good medicine, eat an organic medicine. Um, they really don't cost much more if you shop for them, you know. Anyway, um, I would not do anything in a box. I would, I would not do processed food. Um, processed food's just junk. And um, just... Just try to eat whole foods. Try to eat something that grows. Um, you know, squash is amazing for you. It's full of antioxidants. It tastes great if you put a little olive oil and salt and pepper in it and roast it in the oven. Um, food is just about learning what you like and learning how you like to prepare it. I hadn't tried Brussels sprouts until I moved up here, and now they're a family favorite. Um, and I've heard so many people that they hate Brussels sprouts because they, their mother used to boil them. But if you just put them in a little olive oil with salt and pepper and roast them in the oven, they're delicious. And they're so yes. good for you. I love Brussels sprouts. Even when I was a kid, because I, 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 I'm a, I'm a doll collector. Not the ones you, I mean, the ones I'm seeing, yeah, but I'm a Barbie doll. I always called them Barbie cabbage. Oh, that's hilarious. I can see that. Anything bigger than it's supposed to be or smaller than it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. is really great. So, um, okay, so that's good. So eat healthy, get rid of, you know, the packaged and processed foods. So what if somebody was saying, okay, I'm going to get your book because um, it's a new year and I want to bring more love into my life, whether it's getting a new relationship Mm -hmm. or working on relationships they have. Would you suggest any specific foods or recipes or anything for that? Food is a big part of the courtship. 
um, you know, down through history, brides had a repertoire of different. They were they were part of their bride price was was their, the things that they had in their cookbook. Um, so there, are, yes, yes, uh, you you need to learn first the person's likes that you're cooking for. You know, if if you're cooking for someone and they absolutely hate mayonnaise, you don't want to serve them something covered in it. You know, or you know, so find out what they like and then honor their their food choices. Okay, that is good. <laughs> so all right, so then that's the best of love. <laughs> well, it is. It is because you're showing that you care about them. But a cherry pie, an apple pie, a pears, um, cheese, a, a figs, dates, all of those are foods of love. Um, wine. Um, there, there are so many, so many are considered um, like asparagus was an aphrodisiac for, for people. Men would take their girlfriends out to asparagus dinner in France. At, uh, it was in like the 1800s, I believe, because uh, for, for a lusty evening. Because really? Asparagus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, asparagus. I eat a lot of asparagus. <laughs> I, I love that. So in your book, I, it's really beautifully written out. You see something like, I'm just, um, turnip greens. It's good for, I can't, well, I can't hardly even read it. Banishing, ending relationships, money, protection, and warding. Mm-hmm. Who would know that, that turning greens do that? I, you just have it so beautifully laid out. Well, thank um, you. That's part of the history. Um, in the old world foods like turnips, um, there is so much lore. Uh, it, you know, we and we have so much written history from the Egyptians and the Greeks and the Romans and how they use things. And then in more modern times, how folklore um, stepped in and gave them attributes. That history is out there. Just you just need to turn it up. And um, it was fun collecting it. Okay, I like that. Again, I just you guys have to check out this book. It, it there's simple, <laughs> and you do have a lot on gluten free flours, meals, and mm-hmm. which uh, whether it's all health or not. I know there is a huge trend. I mean, everywhere I I hang out with a lot of people a lot, and if you're at, at whatever you're out together, you know, half the room I don't do gluten, I don't do gluten, I don't do gluten, and I'm like, what's gluten? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so all sorts of things. Okay. So one more thing on this, since we've done love and we've done how to get along and family and things like that and trying to get healthier. So what if somebody's trying to bring more money in abundance? How would you lead them a certain way towards foods or recipes or yes. way to prepare them? Oh, there are all kinds of, uh, wonderful things like, uh, wonderful traditions for creating abundance. And a lot of them are with liminal times and, um, like, uh, now explain the- to people what that is. Oh, um, like the new year where, where one year is going out and then and the ne- next is beginning. It's a shift of energy. Bayberry was used to draw uh, positive energy into the new year. And it was, uh, you would, the settlers would make uh, Bayberry candles and burn them down to the socket. Um, the Southern tradition of Black Eyed Peas on New Year's Day. And then everyone, I and that's something my dad always did. He, we always had a lot of people, just neighbors drop by and stuff. He would make a big pot of black eyed peas and then give anyone who came by a bowl to eat while they were there. And um, usually it's the way people use their their Christmas ham bone. Um, I I don't care for ham much, so I don't put ham in my black eyed peas. And you don't have to. 
Um, they have great flavor without it. But yeah, black-eyed peas are auspicious for prosperity and money. Um, any of the greens are money, like mustard greens, um, collard greens, spinach. Um, those, if you steam it on the side, that's that's money for your new year. That's good. So you're putting it into your intent. You're putting it as you're cooking it. Yeah. You're putting it as you're eating it. I don't know more. One, one thing you can do is you can tell each ingredient what you want to do it, what you want it to do as you're adding it. You just tell it what you want it to do. Um, that way you don't have to come up with any special rhymes it, and it, it's programming the, the ingredient. Right. And that we do, we program everything or we program. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, again, I'm excited to just jump into this book and I highly recommend it to people. Where can people get kitchen wishery? Uh, Llewellyn has it on sale right now for $19.99. So you can order it directly from them, but it is, it is available everywhere. That is beautiful. And come July, there's going to be one on gardening as well. Backyard kitchen witchery. No, I'm sorry. Backyard garden witchery. Sorry. Okay. okay. <laughs> words. All words. Um, and what are people interested in you? How can people find you, beautiful Laurel? Uh, well, I am at laurelwoodward.com and I have a blog that I keep called Liminal Landscapes. Oh, what a beautiful name. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This is so exciting to me. I can't wait to get into this. I'm so glad um, you like it. I do. I love it. I love it. Like I said, I, I can't cook, but I love the idea of it. And the mad, I get the magic part. It's just they don't let me in the kitchen much. I like the black eyed peas thing. I tried that the last time I tried that, which was the first time I tried that. I put them on a big pot and I cooked it. I don't know what happened, but my pot kind of imploded and I was never, ever, ever able to get the lid off. I think ever. you let it run out of water. I think you let it run out of water and it created a suction. Maybe, but nobody, the strongest strong man I know, oh, 14 no. people at once trying to take the lid off. We oh, had no. to throw away the pot and the piece. Oh, so that you was, made your own special spell magic. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Laurel. Anything coming up that you want to talk about or just your book or you have any? Um. Well, uh, just just my book. I This has been such an exciting time with this book, and I really am looking forward to having another one come out. Um, but, yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, that's enough. That's, believe me. So, you guys, Laurel Woodward, Kitchen Witchery, Unlocking the Magic in Everyday Ingredients. And I promise, once you pick it up, you're not going to want to put it down. Uh, what is something like, who do here? I mean, things that you don't even less common like goji berries or something real common like a fig it's right here it's all here and again it's done by food types which is very different to me and i love it and the explanation so thank you laurel thank you oh, so much for welcome. coming on the witching hour and bringing a little bit of your food magic thank, thank you me. thank you for having me <laughs>